Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. We've started the year with a series in discipleship. Discipleship continues to be the heartbeat of this program. In the 21st century, amid postmodernism and pluralism, discipleship is a word that has lost its meaning. Amid all of culture's distractions and with the complexity of modern life and ministry, discipleship has become a lost art. In an age of attractional churches, media saturation, and other priorities, the simple act of sitting down with the Bible and spiritually growing is what's missing in our churches, our Christian culture, and our spiritual lives. I'm grateful for the technological breakthroughs that allow this program to air nationwide and on the internet. But make no mistake, the program such as this is not a substitute for one-on-one discipleship, or for church for that matter. In the last two episodes, we've discussed how difficult it is to create that environment. And I've lamented that even in my own life, it's been difficult to find spiritual mentors who have the time or the ability to lead me in my faith journey. Likewise, I have sometimes struggled to carry out that for others. For years, I helmed large programmatic ministries and encouraged Sunday schools and small groups, but these can take on a classroom feel at times, and it's easy for people to get lost in the shuffle. Today's episode will discuss the intimacy that we often miss in our spiritual life. This intimacy is not always just about those leading us in our discipleship path. It's about intimacy with God. Many excellent discipleship resources usually fall into several categories. When you go to the Christian bookstore or go online, some of them are remedial Bible studies to help believers understand the tenets of the faith. Others are manuals for helping aspiring clergy on their path to ministry. Others teach how churches can grow numerically and how to keep people connected to the local church. So many times, these programs have been effective. I owe a debt of gratitude to many of the excellent curricula that I've used that allow people to understand their faith and the meaning of Scripture and learn how to grow in maturity and discernment in a confusing age. Today's passage will be closer to understanding how to have a relationship with God. There's an old saying that it's not about who you are, it's about whose you are. There's a glimmer of truth in that very simple statement. Tim Keller once compared different books on experiencing God. On the one hand, he pointed to Henry Blackaby's classic, Experiencing God, which dealt with discerning God's plan for our lives and finding our life's purpose in the pursuit of God rather than earthly influences. That excellent book has changed the lives of millions. Keller also expressed other ways we experience God when he talked about the founding Protestant church fathers, such as Calvin and Luther, who wanted to experience God intimately. He mentioned that there was a saying that knowledge of God is like knowing what honey is, but knowing God was like tasting honey. That's a beautiful metaphor that we should pursue. For example, I know people who've been in in church for their whole lives on the outskirts. And I don't know if they've ever really had an encounter with God. They've been physically present, they've paid attention, and maybe even given money to the church, 
but they seem to have an obligatory, joyless church experience rather than intimately knowing God. Let me juxtapose that with another person that inspires me and whose spiritual life I want to emulate. And as this series continues, I'm going to talk about the need for the connection of younger generations to the elderly members of our congregations. Many young families walk into church and completely bypass and miss some of the richness and maturity that every church has. It's easy to get distracted in all of the amenities and all of the programs and all of the things that are tuned to our specific age group and miss out on cross-generational relationships. Because the person I want to point to is present in many churches. You walk down the senior adult wing and you walk in and see an elderly person who has taken it upon themselves to come every Sunday morning with their Bible open. In many cases, this is a quest because they get in an automobile that's difficult for them to drive and they navigate a parking lot and a church foyer that can be overwhelming and crowded. They have to overcome their physical limitations to make it to their class. Nevertheless, there they are every Sunday morning with their Bible open learning more. A youthful perspective would look at that and ask this question. Well, haven't they read the Bible before? I mean, most of us, if we see a movie more than once or twice, we can't bring ourselves to watch it again. Children will be like, Daddy, I've seen this before. Can we see something else? Yet in so many churches, people have been walking with the Lord for decades, possibly their whole life. They find great comfort and intimacy in that pursuit into their advanced age. They never stop growing. That is someone who has experienced God. That is someone who has familiarity with God. That's someone who feels God's presence, trusts God's goodness, and pursues him to the very end, and more so, trusts him as they move into the next life. I want, and I hope others will also enjoy that kind of faith. That kind of faith is not possible without spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, Bible study, and other forms of discipleship, and not a list of things to be checked off. They're experiences that help us draw in on our faith. They're not obligations. They're blessings. My favorite chapter in the Bible is John chapter 15, and it talks about the vine and the branches. It's a reminder that apart from God, we can do nothing And I love how he uses agricultural references because they ate and we eat, and many of those same illustrations still ring true today. Therefore, it's an appropriate analogy for our relationship with Christ. If you'll turn in with me, you'll see that the spiritual life, the life of the path of discipleship, is not a quest that we accomplish on our own. It's not even something that we can necessarily do ourselves. It's something that God guides us through and empowers us and strengthens us in the process. Chapter 15, verse 1 says, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This passage is a powerful reminder of the necessity of experiencing God and remaining in Him. Abiding is another word that is used. As I read this passage, it teaches us several things. That First of all, God prunes us. He doesn't just let parts of our life run out of control. He removes things from our life that don't need to be there. First of all, He removes those things, and then He also prunes and also grows us. In this agricultural reference, you see this vine doesn't just wildly grow in whatever direction it's supposed to grow. It has to be interconnected for its nutrition, for its source of strength, for its source of power. But even then, it remains necessary for the gardener to tend to the vine. Sometimes God intervenes in our life in ways that we don't appreciate and understand. We just think that our lives are supposed to go whichever direction we want them to go, often to our detriment. But as this passage illustrates, God is constantly working on us. And when he removes things from our life that are distractions or are unhealthy, it's painful, much like a pruning situation. And most of the time when this happens, we often react poorly to it. We think, why does this hurt? Why is there difficulty involved in this? Shouldn't this be easy? And our Christian life is one where we need to understand that growth requires something of us. It requires sacrifice. But in the end, the vine is healthy. The vine is connected. It bears much fruit. It talks about some people never bear fruit. It's all under their own power. They are not connected and they fall away. Others, again, they bear fruit, but never to the point of really living a victorious life or experiencing God in a real intimate and meaningful way. But you'll see people at times that bear fruit, that their faith is thriving and so is their life and their ability to influence others and make a difference in their community and their families. These are the times where our personal disciplines, our connections to God can inform our growth, which helps us allow others to grow. So friend, today, I encourage you in your discipleship path to experience God, not just ask him which direction you want your life to go, though that is a good thing to do, but through prayer, through Bible study, through quietness, through introspection, you're able to commune with God and let him lead and empower you in your life. For many of us in our individualist culture, that is a difficult thing to do. We want control and we want to be left alone. But in so doing, we miss out on the most rich relationship of our life. That our lives become problematic, even narcissistic, if we're not constantly pursuing God through prayer and our spiritual disciplines. 
These are not boxes that we check to get our spiritual merit badge. These are blessings and the source of our faith. It's also one of the relationships that makes Christianity unique to other religions. By receiving Christ's grace, he leads us, he grows us, and we become more and more like him every day. Friend, I hope that you will have a wonderful week. I hope that you will begin the process of daily Bible reading and scripture memorization and prayer, sometimes fasting. Uh, There's many wonderful Bible reading plans for the year. There's also excellent daily devotions if you need something to get you started this year. Those little moments in the morning or whenever you do your quiet time will set you on the right path. In turn, he will allow you to live the life he created you to live. Before we go, let's wrap up our discussion today. In review, we took a look at John chapter 15 and discussed how abiding and remaining in Christ reminds us that apart from him, we can do nothing. I'd just like to mention two more verses before we leave today. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Friend, as we discuss what kind of fruit is God going to produce as we abide in him, these are the qualities that he's going to bring out. And these are the qualities that our culture so desperately needs right now, that our families need right now, that we need right now. So my friend, I encourage you this season to abide in Christ, to grow spiritually, to be faithful in your disciplines, not out of a sense of obligation, but out of joy. And I can't wait to see what God is gonna do in your life this year. Thank you for joining me today, and I'll see you on the next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.